Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. These guys have been decomposing for years. The Flowerland Garden Show is playing live on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And good morning, my friends, across the rooted plain. It's the Flowerland Show on your Saturday morning. Rick, Doug, Christy, Christy with the day off. Doug, next to me here in the studios of News Radio, Wood 1300, 106.9 FM. A big thank you very much to him and to John Ilk, our engineer producer extraordinaire on the job this morning. We appreciate him. Thank you very much. And George Arthur, who will take your call, 774 774- 2424. That's right. Broadcasting live on your Independence Day weekend. Uh, First off, Doug, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it's been a long one already. Yeah, it has. Doug and I uh, ran in a uh, race this morning. And what I loved about this is um, Doug's at the race with his grandkids. Mm -hmm. You had how many there? Three of them. Three grandkids this morning. And here's the cool thing. They have have like a race for the kids too, right? Correct, yes. So, you know, you have the adults who look all serious, you know, and they're stretching and using the porta johns and that kind of thing, you know, getting ready for the race. And this is important. This is a big deal. And the kids are just having a grand old time eating Pop Tarts and running before the race. Heck yeah. It's part of the fun, right? To be a kid again. Yeah. Running around on the tennis courts eating Pop Tarts. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. All that energy, right? Oh, my. I tell you, young again. Yeah, good this morning, though. Yes, it is. It's uh, in a weekend, as a matter of fact, today. I didn't get you a card. No, that's okay. Okay. That's okay. You can light a sparkler for me tonight. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I know that. uh, They are dangerous. That's what we're hearing. Yes, and as a matter of fact, Especially when you've got grandkids, they're very dangerous. Yes, and one of the topics on today's show, dry weather. Dry weather affecting our landscapes and... Dry weather hurting Christmas tree farms in Michigan. Yes, it's Christmas in July. Our number is 774-2424 here on the Flowerland Show. Uh, dry weather hurting Christmas tree farms. We're going to check in with Rex Corson. He's a, a friend of ours who has grown Christmas trees here in Michigan for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his family has started, and he continues the practice, so. Yeah, and whether or not, you know, what kind of effect this has on the growers and uh, what we should be doing in our landscape. Yeah, so. Some things might surprise you what he says this morning, too, okay. so stay tuned. Good. That's coming up at 9.30. Rex Corson will talk about the dry weather and uh, Christmas trees. Before you know it, Christmas will be here. I know. So. I know. I'm already thinking about it. Oh, yeah. We're working you know? on it. So Independence Day, the reason I say Independence Day today is because it really depends on who you ask. And if you were to ask John Adams, John Adams would say, Happy Independence Day. Hmm. 
he selected uh, July 2. As a matter of fact, he wrote a letter to his wife, Abigail. He said, the second day of July, 1776, will be the most memorable in the history of America. I'm apt to believe it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It should be commemorated as a day of deliverance, solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, illuminations, running races. Oh, I think Christy had the whole list up till then. Yes, I threw that running races <laughs> thing in there that's really not in there. From one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward and forevermore. Now, of course, we know that John Adams' prediction was off by two days. By two days. Uh, from the outset, Americans celebrated independence on July 4, the date that's shown on the much-publicized Declaration of Independence. Have you seen the actual Declaration? I don't know if I've actually seen the actual one, seen copies of it. But. Yeah, yeah, no, the actual no. one in, in Washington. No. Um, I've looked at it. Very hard to read. Yeah. <laughs> Very hard to read. But, boy, can you see that big John Hancock mm-hmm. at the bottom. Uh, but, anyhow, so the Declaration of Independence on July 4, rather than on July 2, which is the date the resolution of independence was approved in a closed session of Congress. So essentially, historians have disputed whether Congress actually signed the Declaration of Independence on July 4. However, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, and Ben Franklin all later wrote that they had signed it uh, on that day. So there you have it. So we'll celebrate it on July 4. I was going to say, let's celebrate on both days, you know, because my neighborhood is. The second, third, and fourth. Yeah, you, know? boy, you hear that at night, don't you? Exactly. Mm. Yeah, boy, that coffee is good. Yeah, glad you brought me one. I, I would have brought <laughs> you one if I, I didn't know. I thought maybe you were going to stop. <laughs> I took a quick uh, fly through the uh, Tim Hortons on my way up here and That's got okay. a cup of coffee. That's okay. George is brewing us a pot. So. All right. Coincidentally, by the way, both John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, the only signers of the Declaration of Independence, uh, died on the same day, July 4, 1826, which is the 50th Hmm. anniversary of the Declaration. So pretty cool. Another founding father who became president, James Monroe, uh, died on July 4, 1831. Hmm. And Calvin Coolidge, our 30th president, was born on July 4, 1872. Not a good day. Not a good day. So there you have it. Anyhow, uh, with all that said, happy, uh, happy Independence Day to you. Yeah. 774-2424, our number here on the Flowerland Show. I'm uh, reading a book on Thomas Jefferson right now. And people often think of Jefferson as an inventor. Uh, but I think it's more appropriate to describe him as an innovator, not an inventor, but an innovator. Uh, because rather than creating original items and ideas, what he was the kind of guy that would improve on those items already in existence. You know, like he didn't invent the copying machine on which he wrote his correspondence, Um but he made improvements to it, and I saw mm-hmm. that when I was at uh, at Monticello. Um, so pretty cool thing. So an innovator uh, more so than an inventor. And, of course, he absolutely loved 
gardening. He loved his vegetable garden. And uh, he's given credit. Uh, during his tenure, he was um, minister to France. And Jefferson observed European plow designs and found them to be deficient. Uh, so he recorded plans, drew them up to improve the plow by redesigning the mold board That's on the bottom of the plow. Yeah. yeah. And so he did that. It's made of wood. And the mold board, of course, is the part of the plow that lifts up and turns over sod cut by, uh, cut by the movement of that plow. And uh, so he basically, again, took something that was already in use, a plow, but quickly uh, developed it into something better. And that's what he would do. Now, when you read the Declaration of Independence, and I recommend to people to read the Declaration of Independence this weekend. Um, I read it again yesterday. The fun thing about the Declaration of Independence, especially if you are into Scrabble. Do you like to play Scrabble, Doug? Not a game player. No? No. So not into Scrabble? No. All right. Well, the uh, you can you can see... Jefferson's use of words all over the Declaration of Independence when you read it. And one <laughs> word that he uses a lot is usurping, usurping or usurpation. We don't use that yeah. word often in yeah. our day-to-day -day language. Or not at all. Usurping, usurping, wrongful or uh, illegal encroachment, infringement, or seizure, seizure. Uh, Usurping, U-S-U-R-P-I-N-G. I was thinking that's a great Scrabble word. You can use it tonight. And I've often thought that if Scrabble had been invented in the day of Thomas Jefferson, he would have been a champ. He would have been good at Scrabble. So there you have it, your 4th of July musings on my part uh, here on the Flowerland Show. Our number is 774-2424, 774-2424. Give us a call here on the show. And, by the way, if you're going to go out and grill some hot dogs, some burgers, i got a great way to start your fire, Doug. Cool. Plan yep. on it. I'll listen. All right. That's coming up next here on the Flowerland Show. Our number is 774-2424. Hope you're enjoying your weekend. Take a quick break, cultivate a little commerce, and then be back right after this. Stay tuned. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Wood Radio's Flowerland Garden Show is on the air on News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. All right, you, my friend, are in for a root awakening. It's the Flowerland Show here on your Saturday morning. Let's get right to uh, busy phone lines, Doug. You bet. Let's I'll, do it. I'll stop talking about independence and history yeah. and Thomas Wake Jefferson. Me up now. Yeah. I know. I just I love American history. I just do. And a weekend like this uh, is enjoyable for me. Annette is up first. Annette, good morning. You are on the Flowerland Show. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question about my lilies. Um, these are not day lilies. These are regular whatever lilies. <laughs> like like bulb lilies, uh, Annette? Yes, Like yes. Asiatic lilies. All right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, the plants are gorgeous, and they all had about three or four buds on them, and the buds have all disappeared. Something's Uh-oh. been eating the buds, leaves the rest of the plants alone. You know, this is interesting, uh, Annette, and I have a theory on that. And you will see at this time of the year that squirrels... And other animals will eat succulent buds, even dug succulents like sedums. A little moisture. Moisture. You got it. Oh. And it would not surprise me, Annette, if that's, uh, that's what happens. Squirrels will do it. Uh, even chipmunks will do it. I thought maybe it. they pick the flowers and bring them back to the den, you know. Yeah. You know, de- yeah. Decorate a little bit. You there know? you go. Clean the place yeah, up. Clean decorate. the place up. Uh, but I think it's the moisture. I think you're right on, Doug. Um, that's that's the scoop, and that and that's probably what happened. Unfortunately, I have two buds left, one on each plant, and the last couple nights I've been spraying them with um, Tabasco sauce and water. Okay, and you can do that. You can use red pepper. You could use a repellent spray. Uh, but I'm I'm going to guess that's what happened, and that they just uh, snuck off with your flower buds. Well, the little snakes. They okay. are. They're, they are. That's not very nice, is it? No. <laughs> no. Oh, well. This Thank bud's you. for you. Thank you Thank very you. much, Annette. Uh, let's talk to David here next. David, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Well, hello, Rick. How are you? Hey, David, trying to stay grounded. How can we help you this morning? Well, I, I have a question. I have uh, an outstanding aster tree or bush or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. it grows up great. But I heard that if I prune it during July 4th, it will bloom even better. Yeah, that's, a, that true? that's a great question, David. Our uh, asters and chrysanthemums in our landscapes are what we would call photosensitive. In other words, as day length shortens down the road here, that's going to bring on the onset of buds and flowers on these plants later in the year. They're a fall bloomer. With chrysanthemums, we certainly cut them back until about the 4th of July uh, because then we get a nice, full, stocky plant full of flowers as opposed to a taller plant that flops over in September and October. The same can be said to a degree for asters. To a degree. Now, there are great new varieties of asters that naturally tend to stay lower, 
full of flowers. Purple Dome is one that comes to mind right off the top of my head. And some, like the old English asters, have a tendency to get tall and floppy. I would give it a try, David. Uh, certainly well, with chrysanthemums, but with asters also, you could use a head shears and cut them back. I think part of it is you're, you're making them unability, uh, the ability to bloom now or early when they're bolt as soon as it gets warm. So a little bit later blossom will last longer, and I wonder if that's part of the conversation. But how far should I prune it down? Because the lower leaves are kind of dying off. Yes, yes, and you're right, David, because, the, uh, because of lack of light, you're right. The lower leaves start to look ugly. How tall would you say the plants are right now? Uh, they're over four feet. Wow. Oh, my. Okay. Yeah. I think I think what I would do is I'd take a little off the top, but not a lot. In other words, maybe back a foot and stake Six them. inches to a foot? Yeah, just a little off the top, and let's allow them to set their buds here in the last part of the season. You know, I do that with upright sedums also, and it helps them remain stocky and short and full of flower without flopping over. But it sounds like the aster varieties you have are like the old English asters that have a tendency to grow very tall. And you're probably going to end up having to do some staking. Oh, definitely. Well, I do that every single time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But a little off the top, I would try it. Do you have a lot of these asters or just a few? Uh, just a few. Okay. You know, my point being, why don't this year you experiment with one of them and see how it goes for you? I will do that just on your advice alone. There you go. <laughs> Trial and error, or as we say on the Flowerland Show, trowel and error, Okay. Yeah, and due to your previous caller, if she puts out some stale bread, uh, she won't have that rodent problem. Oh, really? So that's worked for you? Oh, yeah. I, I have a lot of those. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, thanks for sharing, David. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Let's uh, slip in another call here. Margaret is next. Margaret, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Well... I have um, a declaration, not of independence going on here, but of war. I'm doing battle against these horrible things that grow up around the base of my ash tree. I guess they're called suckers. Yes, yes. Frustrating, isn't that, Margaret? What's that? It's frustrating, isn't it? It's very frustrating. I have said some bad words, in fact. Oh, no, 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 no. That no. them up and let them die. <laughs> actually, actually, that'll make you feel better, Margaret, yeah. but it's not going to do anything about the suckers. That's right. Right. So anyway, um, a, a good garden man uh, let me on to, got me a bottle of this uh, sucker buster. Hey, those suckers love it. They thrive. <laughs> <laughs> The the sucker stopper uh, material. So you've been spraying that on them. It's a white, uh, gluey looking material, and you paint it on. After you cut them off, you paint yep. it on them. Yep. And that's not working for you. No. Yeah. What kind of tree is it, Margaret? I believe it's an ash. Hmm. Okay. Well, many times, especially contingent on how deep a tree is planted, we start to see sucker growth at the base. Uh, for myself personally, a couple times a year using a good, very sharp bypass pruners or pruning saw, I cut them down as low to the base as I can. Right. 
and uh, got to do that a couple times a year to hold those suckers in check because it's frustrating, but it is doable. It just takes a little more work on our part, Margaret. And some trees, yeah. Doug, are more prone to it. Yeah, the crab apples especially. But, yeah, I would suggest the same thing. A good good sharp pruners prune it down, and you're using sucker buster? Yeah. You know, maybe there's a sucker well, stopper. Sucker punch, I'm sorry. Oh, sucker punch, yeah. That's the, the bonide uh, product. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You I know, wouldn't give up on it, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't give up on it either. Uh, the problem with it is, you know, it is a pricey product, and uh, it does work. But in this case, I, it sounds like you've got some pretty aggressive uh, suckers there, Margaret. So I think what I would do is instead try to just talk nice to them and uh, oh. take, that, take that good, sharp pruning saw. Get out there. It'll, you'll get a little <laughs> exercise that way. How does that sound? Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, my, my advice has been totally useless, hasn't it, Margaret? Well, I'll do that. I'll just uh, I'll try uh, preaching to them. How about that? There you go. Okay, you give that a try. Let us know how it works, all right? Yeah, okay. Thank you much. Thank you very much, Margaret. Bye-bye. Some trees just don't want to give up. They want to keep fighting, you know. Well, that's it, you know, and those uh, those suckers can be uh, can be very, very aggressive and cause frustration, no question about it. By the way, if you want to start a fire to cook your hot dogs, WGNO in New Orleans did a report showing how you use a bag of spicy nacho Doritos. I've seen that. You light I it on fire? That. I've seen that. Yikes. You're and, putting that in your tummy? Ugh. Well, and in this hot, dry weather, I'm not so sure I'd be lighting bags of spicy nacho Doritos. Those two reporters are roasting the hot dog. All right, coming up next, we'll check in with Rex Corson on the dry weather, and then after that, more of your calls. It's the Flowerland Show on your Independence Day weekend. The news is next. Stay tuned. This is the Flowerland Garden Show on Wood Radio. Before my spirit falls again, fill up the star king. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. things but deck the halls again now. For we need 
And good morning to you. It's the Flowerland Show on your Saturday morning. No, this is not a what? previously recorded show. <laughs> it's Christmas in July. We need a little Christmas. Oh. We need it right now. Yeah, I'm wearing shorts, so it ain't Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, it's great to hear that song again, uh, just a few months removed. No, we're talking about dry weather and uh, whether or not it's hurting Christmas tree farms here in Michigan. Of course, Michigan, a very, very important state in the Union for the growth and production of Christmas trees and Christmas greens. And we've got many friends here in the state who make a living growing Christmas trees for us to enjoy at Christmas time. It won't be long, and we'll be talking about it. You got it. You got it. With us on the live line, Rex Corson, uh, Rex uh, Corson Tree Farms. Rex, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Flowerland Show. Uh, Probably people driving down the road right now listening to their radio going, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) But uh, for you... It's never too early to start talking about (laughs) For you, it isn't. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a year-long thing for you, right, Rex? Yes, it is. Um, it's a full-time business for us. The only time that we're uh, not out in the fields is uh, during the winter. But um, we start early in the spring, and it goes all the way through the harvest uh, up until Christmas. So right now you're actually pruning trees, correct? Yep, doing a lot of shearing of trees, um, mowing um, to try and uh, compete, uh, keep the weeds down from competing with the trees for that limited moisture that's out there. And then, um, of course, we're running a lot of irrigation right now trying to keep the trees happy and healthy. Yeah, before we talk about the water, uh, Rex, for our listeners, uh, for our listeners to understand what it's like to be a Christmas tree farmer. Of course, the Christmas trees out in the field are a valuable resource to us because we enjoy them in our homes at Christmas time. But during the growing season, they provide a habitat for birds and wildlife, and of course, like any other plant, provide us uh, oxygen to breathe. But in addition to that, you as tree farmers. Uh, you're planting in the spring to replace the trees that were harvested. And, of course, those young plantings, um, got to kind of nurse them along at the start, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, it takes a lot of care to uh, to make sure that you ensure survival in, in the first couple of years. And, and that's a little bit, you know, what we talked about with um, with Doug even the other morning is, is uh, if you're growing some of the species that are really sensitive to moisture, especially like Fraser fir, um, which has um, become really popular um, from consumers on the market now, um, they're really sensitive to, uh, to dry weather. And uh, so we make sure before we plant um, any Fraser, um, we have irrigation systems that are in place. Um, to make sure that if we do run into uh, dry conditions like we've had, that uh, that they'll uh, survive and perform well. So. Why, uh, why Rex, are a lot of these tree farms, uh, for my purpose, because I don't know the answer to this, why are a lot of these tree farms located in central Michigan? Is that just because of the people who have settled there? Or, I mean, why so many in central Michigan? Um, I would say uh, historically um, some of the, the areas that, tree farms um, got established and started in um, or maybe not conducive to some of the other um, agricultural commodities that were grown. Okay. Um, you know, uh, like, say, some of the corn, beans, potato, you know, some of the large cash crop farms. Um, some of the lighter, sandier soils were pretty good for growing Christmas trees. And scotch pine traditionally was a really popular species. 
Um, so a lot of farms were growing Scotch pine on some of these sites. And as the industry has evolved, like I said, um, it's, uh, you know, some of the true fir have become more popular, um, especially the Fraser, and they require a little bit better sites. So it's, it's kind of interesting as we've evolved. We're, uh, we're competing with some of those guys for some of the better, uh, better fields and some of the better sites. Sure. Well, that makes sense. So you're out there irrigating now, Rex? Oh, yes. Yep, we have been, um, you know, off and on um, for the last uh, month or so. Um, we've been um, fortunate, at least in our, our farm and our location, and when we're in uh, Montcalm County, um, a, a few of the, the uh, cells that have came through, we've got lucky and got a little bit. Um, but the last week, we've been running irrigation pretty hard, and, and most of the fields that we have, uh, we have drip irrigation systems on most of them, so it's really efficient use of water, getting it right to the plants um, and right where they need it. Yeah, I'm not going to complain anymore. I water my little yard and uh, move the hose around. Rex got to move acres of uh, irrigation. Uh, these big, they're hooked to a tractor, Rick, and he just they dip, walk really? right down the dry. Yeah, they're really cool. Wow. So, um, Rex, the uh, you've been in this business for a long time, and we're seeing these news stories uh, this past week. Uh, but you've been providing Christmas trees to west michigan homeowners and beyond for years to enjoy during the christmas season uh tell us about uh, a year or two that was really really rough for you as far as the weather is concerned what comes to mind is there a was there a certain year that uh that stands out among others typically for us i would say the the weather that's more of a challenge for us as as uh, tree farmers uh would be um, some of the cold, uh, and if we get a snow, a lot of snow during our, during the Christmas tree harvest, um, it can make it really challenging, um, trying to get the trees cut and baled and, and, uh, shipped to our customers. So, uh, this, this summer, um, like what we're experiencing right now, um, the dry conditions, I mean, they're a challenge, um, but there, there are definitely things, um, that we can do, um, you know, to overcome that, obviously, our irrigation system. So that's the big thing that I, you know, sometimes when I hear the stories, um, you know, about uh, the drought and how it's um, impacting trees, um, you have to obviously understand that the, the marketable-sized trees are 8 to 10 years old, and they've got very developed root systems, and you would have to have really extreme drought. Um, for them to to really impact the, the the quality of the trees, or and especially even cause death. So, um, and then the the, the trees, uh, the tree species that are more sensitive to it. Uh, like I say, most established and good farms have irrigation systems, and um, so it's it really isn't. Uh, I mean, it, it increases some of our cost of of production, um, but doesn't really affect the quality or the supply of the trees. Well, it's just like anything else. Being in the uh, farm business, you roll with these uh, weather conditions, and, and Rex was sharing with me that you know occasionally they lose a few, and so they interplant with the ones that are live, and they just go on to the next season. But I agree with Rex, and it was like what three, four years ago we had that snow just before, in November. It was early November, and we had a harvest and get the stuff in. That was a tough year. I remember yeah. that one. Yeah, it was challenging. Yeah, and like you say, the big, the biggest thing that uh, you know when you have conditions like we're having now with the drought, and and, and you will have more uh, mortality with your um, with your new plantings that you put out this year, and and um, you know it's a an eight to ten year rotation before you get to harvest. So um, all growers um, are looking at and assessing their plantings and how successful they were, and then when we we order our seedlings for the following year. Um, if we had higher mortality this year, then we'll increase those orders uh, to make sure that we, you know, keep that supply, um, you know, consistent down the road. So, um, you know, there are things that, that we can do, but typically the drought has more of a long-term impact on, on inventory. And, and like I say, there are things that we can do to, uh, to offset that. 
one last quick question, Rex, and we're chatting with Rex Corson, uh, Corson Tree Farms, uh, growing the beautiful Christmas trees that you enjoy in your home, folks, uh, during the holiday season. Rex, uh, you're well connected to the industry, other farmers. Uh, have you seen the Christmas industry at all use drone technology in taking inventory of trees or starting to take advantage of some of that technology that's out there or not yet? Um, that's interesting you ask. We actually just bought one um, this spring. Wow. Um, and Yeah. And, uh, you know, from a scouting standpoint, <clears throat> um, taking inventories, um, I think there at this stage maybe are some limited applications. Um, we're, we're utilizing it where I really see some advantages are from a marketing standpoint. Um, you know, I think you'll be able to really take some uh, unique videos and perspectives of some of the different applications and the jobs that you do on the farm and uh, to show people, um, you know, a lot, a lot of the things that you do and, and um, you know, how challenging it can be. So from a marketing standpoint, I, I can see it being a valuable tool. Some of the, a lot of the scouting that we do, um, it really takes you getting up close and personal with the tree. Um, you know, like one right. of the issues that we have right now are mites, um, extremely small, and, and you're you're right there with a hand lens um, and a scouting board and, and uh, trying to uh, to see what those populations might be. So I think there are some applications for the drones, and it'll be interesting to see um, how that um, develops. We actually have on the program for the uh, Michigan Christmas Tree Association uh, this summer, um, a speaker is coming to uh, talk about drone technology and how we might be able to utilize them more on our farms. So well, um, definitely something that we're looking at. Next time Doug goes up to visit you, I think I'll tag along. Yeah, I I'd like to take that coming. drone for a spin. I figured it was coming. <laughs> yeah, I have to wrestle the controller away from my young son, TJ. He's, he's the, uh, the skilled pilot that we have uh, uh, fly it on the farm for us. But uh, I, I'm, you're more than welcome to come up and uh, fly it. They're actually quite easy to fly. Wow, sounds like fun. Well, Rex, thanks for everything you do and the industry, very important to us here in Michigan, the Christmas tree industry and uh, dealing with the uh, the hot weather. But never fear, folks, uh, coming up in a few months, they they once again this year will deliver and provide beautiful hey, trees. They're out there working the field so that we can yes. enjoy these trees in just a few short months. Yep. You yes, got it. we will. Hey, thanks. Well, we- Yes, we appreciate your support, uh, and thanks thanks again for having me on this morning. Hey, thanks, Rex. We appreciate it. Enjoy your Independence Day weekend. Thank you very much. You too. Rex Corson, Corson Tree Farms. Uh, yeah, boy, it, and they are hard work. It, it really is. is. It I mean, is. these they people don't... work hard yeah. and contribute to our economy here in Michigan. And as we know in the garden industry, they don't take days off. You got uh, it. Trees keep growing. 774-2424, a number. We'll uh, reopen the phone lines if you're on hold. Hang on. We'll give you a good swift kick in the plants here momentarily. It's the Flowerland Show on your Saturday morning. Stay tuned. If you plant it, mow it, or grow it, they know it. Now, more of Rick, Doug, and Christy and the Flowerland Garden Show on Wood Radio. All right, a dirty job. Somebody's got to do it. The Flowerland Show on your Saturday morning. Happy uh, Independence Day, as we mentioned at the start of the show. John Adams uh, considered it July 2nd, uh, however, the uh, signing of the Declaration of of Independence took place on July 4th, July 4th. So we'll celebrate this weekend 
and our country. I'll and celebrate, celebrate both this year. There you, you know, go. The independence and freedoms that uh, we enjoy. 774-2424, our number on the Flowerland Show. Let's go back to the phone lines and talk to Gene in Muskegon next. We do have an open phone line, folks, 774-2424. Good morning, Gene. Thanks for your patience. Oh, well, good morning. Thank you. Um, I have six blueberry bushes, and after my husband passed, I inherited taking care of them, and they're about 8 to 10 years old, and they have berries on them now, but there's also a growth, uh, real hard, light green, worm-shaped uh, growth on a lot of the branches, and I wondered what I should do about that besides removing them. Uh, removing them is probably your best bet. What causes it? That's a good question. Like it does sound like yeah, a gall. Yeah. I don't know. I'd love to see it, but um, I think just by removing it, if it isn't gall, it could be a little insect that would lay. But uh, what, yeah. would you, what did you call it? A- gall, G-A-L-L. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so describe it a little better for me here. What, what exactly do you see? Well, it starts out as a round, light blue ball, and then it turns into the worm as it gets bigger, and okay. they're on the ends of the branches. All right. There is a uh, there is an insect, a blueberry gall midge, mm-hmm. and it's uh, an insect pest of uh, of blueberries. Uh, that's a possibility that that has caused that. Uh, hmm. let, let me check here real quickly a minute for you. As a matter of fact, if you want to Google that, you could find a lot of whoops a lot of information on that. Oh, okay. Um, you know, obviously you inherited it. How do you fertilize in water? I just water with a uh, soaker hose, okay. and they probably right. don't get enough water. But okay. I did spray it with a dormant dormant oil spray in March. Good. That's good. good, perfect. Yeah, you know we like to keep plants as healthy as we can. That way, that if there is an insect, then we don't have quite the issue because the plant's a healthier plant. Yeah. So did could, I was I didn't uh, spray them more than one time, and I wondered if I should have. Probably wouldn't be a bad idea if you're experiencing some kind of insect issue. Yeah. You know, it's probably not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're right. I think if I just if it was me, I'd probably just prune it, throw that away, okay. and um, you'd probably be okay. And then feed them. You know, you want to keep them as healthy as you can. Feed them with the same dormant oil spray or something else. No, you might want to use one of the tone foods. You know, okay. so All right. you know it's it's interesting when you look at history of blueberries. Also, I mean, they're native to America, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until 1916 that they really began their journey from farm to table. So that's 100 years. Yeah, I was just reading that this spring about that, yeah. Yeah, 100 years. So uh, 1893, Elizabeth White, she was the daughter of a New Jersey uh, cranberry grower. And uh, she's the one that saw the potential of blueberries, adding them as a, a family crop. But local farmers... Uh, contested her opinion. They they felt that the blueberries could not be domesticated. And then it wasn't until 1908, Frederick Koval, he was kind of this curious USDA botanist. He was determined, and he wanted to cultivate blueberries. He agreed with uh, Elizabeth uh, White. And it was at that point they discovered that blueberries could only thrive in acidic soil. They started experimenting, trying to develop it as a crop. And then in 1916, White and Colville harvested and sold the first commercial crop of high bush blueberries in uh, in New Jersey, and oh. uh, away we went. And now we're using the Brazzleberries and all these other ones for our landscaping. So. Yeah, I also 
also have a few pear trees, and they give me a lot of pears. Should I be using that dormant oil spray on that as well then? Yes, dormant oil sprays are great to use early in the season before the plant uh, develops. It helps with overwintering insects and disease. Absolutely, I would continue that practice. All righty. Well, thanks for your help, and I'll look that up on Google. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks for your support. 774-2424, our number here on the Flowerland Show. Uh, Let's talk to Dave in Walker. Dave, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Yeah, I just very simply am getting feedback from the neighbors. They want me to trim these low-hanging branches on my oak tree, and I'm standing fast saying that, it might introduce <laughs> or Stand your stand your ground, Dave. We're on your side. Your neighbors. We're on your side. Absolutely. Uh, tell them it would be a big mistake to cut those branches, prune those branches uh, at this time of the year. Tell them just to be patient and wait, and you'll do it sometime this winter. Do you recommend, recommend anybody for... I I would call. Uh, there are many uh, wonderful arborists here in town. Of course, Bart, uh, our good friend Brian McKenzie at Bartlett Tree Experts. You could give Brian a call and tell him we we sent uh, you his way. There are other wonderful botanists, or botanists and uh, arborists here in town that could help you out. And I'll tell you what, they would be more than happy to come out in the winter also. Uh, a little slower time of the year for them, but they're still out there working because for folks uh, tuned in and wondering what Dave's talking about, he is an entrepreneur. He's a smart guy, Dave, standing your ground because oak wilt is a serious disease of oak trees uh, here in Michigan and beyond. And so we want to avoid at all costs cutting into pruning, uh, doing any cutting of oak trees during the summer months. Okay, maybe I should schedule it now. Or be a good yeah, idea. Yeah. I would because then get in the fall, even you know, get that done. But yeah, Rick says you know we got a long season coming of that when other plants are dormant, the bug uh, activity is way down. So yeah, I don't know what your your word is for procrastination, but that's what kept it from being trimmed last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, it isn't now. Now you're ahead of the game. So. Well, tell your neighbors, Dave. We end- we endorse your position. Okay. Yeah, my sister and brother-in-law live across the street. Oh. You have a talk with them. Uh, Better yet, have them tune into the Flowerland Show on Saturday mornings or have them listen to one of our podcasts, which is available at myflowerland.com or at woodradio.com. Dave, thanks for your call. Thank you. All right. 774-2424, our number on the Flowerland Show. Let's uh, go to Sparta and talk to Jim. Jim, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Um, I have some zucchini that will blossom, and then nothing happens after that. I just wondered if uh, it's a pollination issue and if there's any way I could self-pollinate them. Or Yes, most likely do. a pollination issue. And uh, what I have found uh, works, first of all, uh, temperature, weather conditions can affect that, but it's really based on the, uh, the blooming cycle of both the male and the female flowers on cucurbits. And uh, what works really well is a simple uh, uh, Q-tip. Okay. Uh, you feel kind of odd doing it. Uh, you kind of look around, see if the neighbors are I find are a four-inch paintbrush, but that's a little too big. Or a little paintbrush. <laughs> sure, you could use that. And you look for the, uh, the female uh, flowers, the male and female flowers, the 
female flower is is rather easy to find because when you when you look at the base of the flower you'll actually see a super mini, miniature form of cucumber or zucchini at the base of that flower then you know that that's the female flower so if you can do some transfer of pollen from male to female flowers it uh, it will help okay i'll give that a try all right thank you very much appreciate it and then little, you'll be giving away to your friends and neighbors. That's right. Nothing tougher than giving away tomatoes. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Zucchinis in August, right? Yeah. You fill a bag, put it on the front porch, ring the doorbell, and run as fast as you can. Now, that's all right. Uh, The Q-tip method, a little cute. It's cucumbersome, but it works. All right, first hour in the books. We'll take more of your calls in the second hour of your Independence Holiday Weekend. Thanks for sharing it with us on the Flowerland Show. The news is next. Stay tuned. These guys have been decomposing for years. The Flowerland Garden Show is playing live on News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. All right, a dirty job. Somebody's got to do it. The Flowerland Show on your Saturday morning here, News Radio Wood 1300, 106.9 FM. Rick and Doug this morning. Christy is out there somewhere in Allegan County blowing stuff up. That's what she does. She lives for this day, she this does. weekend. On the 4th of July weekend. Um, so uh, she's out there doing that, uh, Doug, you and I here in the studio talking to the folks, the nice folks who support us here on the Flowerland Show. Listen to us every week. Thank you very much. We hope you sincerely enjoy your Independence Day weekend. Uh, Again, my recommendation would be, and it doesn't take long, at some point uh, this weekend, just pick up a copy of the Declaration of Independence and read it. Uh, I do that every 4th of July weekend. Uh, I find something new in it every time I read it. And Doug, by the way, uh, you know, and I'm not going to get... You don't stand by the fire pit anymore and have the kids sit in a line and read it to them. You used to do that, I know. Don't subject them to that anymore. uh, Those days are done. 
Oh, and then yeah. we'll have a little sparkler, and then uh... yeah, light a little sparkler, <laughs> make a s'more. <laughs> oh, it's getting to be late. We better go to bed. Good stuff. <laughs> but when you read it, uh, and and we'll get back to uh, the Flowerland show already in progress. But uh, my point being, I'm, yes. I'm hoping uh, maybe you know I'm reading this Thomas Jefferson book. I'm hoping maybe sometime uh, this weekend uh, I can park. Uh, my backside into uh, a little beach sand and open yeah. up that book and read it. I think you should. But if you read the uh, the Declaration of Independence, uh, my whole point here being that it's fascinating to read the grievances of the colonists against the king mm. and to recognize that many of those issues are still relatable today. Yeah. Uh. I mean, Jefferson and the signers of the Independence... Uh, accuse the king of endeavoring to prevent the population of the states for obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither. In other words, the point being, uh, back then, at, at the establishment of the country, immigration was an issue, hot topic right now. Same thing with trade. They accused the king of cutting off our trade with all parts of uh, of the world. So just really, really uh, interesting. Then, of course, uh, as, as things uh, progress, the philosophies of the colonists and what they found to be self-evident truths, uh, their set forth list of grievances against the king. I just think that, I don't know, uh, my opinion, Doug, uh, just worth uh, worth reading. It's just a page. So 200 plus years, nothing's changed. Not too, <laughs> not too tough to read. It, uh, some good reminders there, and some great words. Like I said, if yes. you're a Scrabble player, yes. because Thomas Jefferson was a master of words. Seven seven four twenty four twenty four. A number here on the Flowerland Show. Let's go to uh, Howard City and talk to Louise. Louise, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Good morning, Rick. Happy Fourth of July weekend. Happy Fourth of July weekend. Independence weekend. Right. Thankful for our country. Right. Great country. Great country. Say, I have uh, planted in the past bishop weed, snow on the mountain, lamium, that sort of thing. Sure. Well, it's kind of gotten away from me, and <laughs> I'm wondering what is a good thing to kill some of that off with. Yeah, uh, Louise, and for folks who are keeping score at home, she's talking about snow on the mountain or uh, this perennial ground cover that also goes by the name of Bishop's Goutweed or Agapodium. Agapodium, if you're keeping score at home, wanted to Google that. Uh, Louise, probably your best bet would be to spray with uh, a non-selective herbicide like Roundup Glyphosate. And uh, spray it on the foliage, and fall would be a great time to do that. You'd get good translocation into the root system. Uh, Another method that you could use that's maybe more uh, organic, well, it certainly is more organic, it's mechanical, and that is I have had success by using black plastic, pinning it over the top of the snow on the mountain, using landscape pins in place, sealing it, and letting the sun uh, solarize uh, the offending plants uh, that will that will work well for you too. It's it's unsightly, but it certainly helps you get on top of the problem. Okay, great. Never thought about that. Yeah, I've I've done that, and 
I also have done that in, for example, the month of August in areas where I have grass growing and I want to create a new garden. Uh, I'll solarize the area with black plastic dug to kill it off, let the sun uh, do its work for four to six weeks, and then be planting in fall. Yeah, so what you do is actually trim the plant down, and then you put the plastic over yes. the top of it. So Yep. Yep. Oh, okay. Trim it down? Trim it down. Trim it down. So now would be a good time for that, then, with the sure. sun. Oh, absolutely, if you know, you're willing it to put heats up. up a lot quicker now. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, but otherwise, Roundup is not as effective right now. It is effective, however, in the heat of summer when it gets really hot, plants have a tendency to develop a protective mechanism, almost a glossy-type coating, that uh, can repel some herbicide. Now, you can, you can increase its effect, effectiveness by adding a sticker, a little bit of dish soap uh, in with your herbicide uh, to help it stick. But the point, Louise, is that... Uh, in fall, it's even more effective sprayed on the full, not on the soil, sprayed on the foliage of actively growing plants. They'll absorb it and, and move it into the root system better in fall because plants are shutting down, uh, you know, planting on winter yeah. arriving like the trees do. And you just get good control. If you think about a plant right now, it's sucking up the juice and it's coming to the leaves. In the fall, it's, it's just the reverse. The sugars are going down to the roots, so that's why. But, you know, you can also take a little broom and break up uh, some of the leaves. That will help, too, to create some injury. Then you can sp- spray the Roundup down. That is helpful with tough weeds. You're right, Doug, including uh, Lily of the Valley. Yep. If someone wants to get rid of Lily of the Valley, just bruise them up a little bit He takes bit that first. golf club he never uses, and he just hits them a little bit and breaks them up a little bit. There you go. Yeah. But now with the black plastic, if I took a, a weed weed eater and mm-hmm. mowed it down and then put the black plastic on, that wouldn't be nope. Perfect. too severe? Nope. No, no, and you could, uh, you could solarize it and let the sun do its work. It's not going to completely rid you of the problem because Agapodium or Bishop's Goutweed is tough to get rid of, Louise, yeah. but it would get okay. you well on your way. Okay, great. Okay. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you, Louise. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, Nick is up next. Nick, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Hi, thank you. Uh, I've had this uh, deal dealing. Uh, my mother always called them uh, Japanese be- uh, uh, rose beetles. Yes. And I finally took some into a place off of Alpine, a common apple orchard. They told me it was a, a Japanese beetle. Okay. And they told me to go to uh, Home Depot or one of them there and get this bag uh, deal with a little insert, and that's how to uh, get rid of them. Well, my my first recommendation, uh, Nick, and yes, we're going to start seeing some Japanese beetles. My first recommendation would be to go to Flowerland, the sponsor of this show. That's the first step. The second step... Surprise. (laughs) The second step would be, uh, yes, we do sell Japanese beetle traps. Japanese beetle traps uh, have a little card at the top of the trap that is a bright color. The insects are drawn to that. But more importantly, it has a pheromone uh, attractant. It's a a sexual attractant for the beetle. And as a matter of fact, when you place that pheromone on the card... Uh, be very careful that you don't get some on yourself. I've been working in the garden sweaty, 
uh, was a little sloppy in my work. You wipe your forehead, and pretty soon the Japanese, Japanese beetles, beetles on your forehead find right? you very, very <laughs> attractive. They want to take you out for a drink. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's quite something to see. So they work, Nick. Uh, however, you have to place those away from the plants that are most prone to attack. Okay. Plants most prone to attack are hydrangea, anything in the apple family, and certainly anything in the rose family, uh, any roses uh, the beetles will attack. We're going to start seeing them here this week. And they do their primary damage here over the next two to three weeks. Uh, the, uh, the beetles emerge from the ground. And uh, initially, you'll find them on lower leaves of plants as they sun themselves, they warm themselves up. And then essentially, it's a cycle of both procreation, we'll call it, and it's a family show, a procreation and eating. Uh, The female repeatedly dive bombs into the soil, lays eggs, maybe as many as 50 eggs, reemerges. The cycle continues for about three or four weeks. Uh, so you're going to your best bet is to spray uh, spray those plants which are most prone to Japanese beetle damage with a Japanese beetle spray or neem spray or seven. Uh, I will often spray my roses with seven S E V I N at this time of the year. Um, but the beetle traps do work. You'll fill a trap full of Japanese beetles. Some people argue, Nick, that they attract more beetles to your yard. Well, what I've done over the years, I've got two English walnuts, I've got two peach trees, and I've got a couple apple trees. And whenever that fruit gets about the size of your fingernail, they, they attack it. Well, I've always taken that five or seven ducks put it in a sprayer, mix it with water, spray the trees, and about two days later, all the fruit crawls off the tree. Mm-hmm. And so you ain't got to worry about the beetles because uh, they're the well, fruit's I'm not, not there. I'm not quite sure why the fruit's falling off your, your tree, uh, Nick, because seven is labeled to be used for that purpose on fruit trees. But if you have a concern in that regard, I'll tell you what, uh, a product that works very well, and I've used that in protection in July also as Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew, an outstanding okay. item. Uh, it's uh, a natural product. It's spinosad. Uh, Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew would be a good choice uh, for you to try. But I'm not, I'm not saying don't use the Japanese beetle traps because I believe yeah. in the traps, but placement is very important. Okay? I've got one of the bug zappers out there right now. But right now they're, they're yeah the problem big. with uh, the problem with bug zappers Nick is that they unfortunately uh, they they don't discriminate in other words they zap yeah. both the beneficial bugs as well as the beetles so I think uh, yeah. your your trapping and your spraying is probably a better way to go uh, hard on a break here Nick thanks for your call appreciate it uh, we've got an open line seven seven four twenty four twenty four our number here on the Flowerland Show pick up the phone you don't need a green thumb any finger will do just dial it up. 774-2424, broadcasting live on your Independence Day weekend. Hope you're enjoying it so far. Be safe out there. Give us a call here on the program. Love to hear from you. We'll be right back. Wood 
Radio's Flowerland Garden Show is on the air on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Galveston, oh Galveston, I still hear your sea winds blowing. I still see her dark eyes glowing. She was 21. A big thank you very much to our entrepreneur friends across the rooted plain for joining us here on the Flowerland Show on your Saturday morning. Uh, 774-2424, our number. And uh, Doug, a big thank you very much to our engineer, producer extraordinaire, John Ilk, not only for spinning the fabulous tunes, but being here on a 4th of oh, July weekend yeah. working, he works hard for News Radio Wood 13. And George just as hard, so yeah, for exactly. sure. Exactly, so thank you very much to both of you. And of course our listeners for your support uh, of the Flowerland Show. Let's talk to Phil in uh, Sparta up next. Phil, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I am a commercial apple grower. Okay. And I just heard the comment from a gentleman who said he uses seven, he sprays it on his trees, and all his apples fall off. Yes, yes. Well, we use it for a thinner when the apples are like 10 millimeters in size. Okay. So if you're spraying with seven at that time of the year, you're going to remove the apples. Okay, it's, all right. And it's uh, temperature sensitive, too. The warmer it is, the more it works. And that is, uh, that is very true. And, Phil, uh, in your work... Uh, with apples, from time to time, you feel the need to thin the tree as far as the uh, the size of the crop is concerned. Or Every no? year, yeah, yeah. And what time of the year do you do that, Phil? Uh, from petal fall until the apples are about ten millimeters. Okay, all right, great. And but you use something other than seven, or do you use seven? We use seven. Uh, we usually use the liquid. Uh, it's a four L that we can get because mm-hmm. of. You know, right, purchasing right, chemicals, right. but we also use acetic acid, which is called fruit tone N. Yes, yes. And we also use uh, oh six uh, uh, BA, which is a Maxell product. You don't use the acid and Maxell together, but you can use the combination of seven and acid or seven and Maxell. Phil, do you see trees from time to time uh, naturally? Fruit, tr- uh, fruit drop, if the crop is too heavy, do you see natural fruit drop or not? No. Okay. All right. And uh, uh, question for you, Japanese beetle. Soon. <laughs> yes. Soon. Yes. It's coming. And my, my point being, you being a uh, an apple grower, any advice for our listeners? We, I like, uh, I had mentioned to the caller, I like the Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew product because they're going to be using different products that than you as a grower would be using. That's correct. Uh, but I think that the spinosad for me, you know, if you just have a few rose bushes, that sort of thing, or, or one or two fruit trees, uh, that that... Uh, that that would work well for you. But uh, how do you control the Japanese beetle issue? Uh, usually with uh, either a pyrethroid spray or uh, uh, a material they call prey. But okay. it's, this is stuff that, you know, you've got to be a commercial grower and a license to buy it. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Hey. How is the apple crop this year? Beautiful. Is it? Yeah. And the dryness is good for you or bad? Uh-huh. Could use some rain. Could use some rain. <laughs> but you've got a full crop out there. Yeah. 
Outstanding. Hey, Phil, thanks for your work, and thanks for uh, thanks for your call. Appreciate well, it. Well, I'm usually working when you're on, and the tractor cab, the radio's on, but I just happened to be working in the yard this morning, so I heard it. So. Well, fantastic. I appreciate it, Phil. Thanks for your call. You bet. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. 774-2424, a number here on the uh, Flowerland Show. Let's, uh, let's talk to George here next. George, good morning. Good morning. How can we help you, George? Well, Japanese beetles. Yes. Uh, I had problems with them on my uh, raspberries and uh, uh, hazelnut. Uh, yes, yes. It? They are drawn like a magnet. Love them. Right. Anything in the hazelnut family. I had a uh, Harry Lauder's walking stick. Yeah. That uh, is in that family, and oh my, they would just decimate that. Yeah, but but uh, I will not use the traps because I used the traps before, and like the other caller said, he just gets more of them. Well, you do get more of them because some of them that don't go into the trap go on in the ground like the the female and lays the eggs. Yep, so you you actually multiply. Yeah, and and that's what I mentioned to the the caller, George, exactly. There are people who feel that uh, it's not a good way to go. You certainly want it far removed from the plants that are most likely to be injured. And uh, George checking in this morning saying he agrees with the group. Don't use them. Yeah, Rick puts it in his neighbor's yard. Yeah. That's what works for him. Yeah, but I let my neighbor know first. (laughs) But but what I do... uh, I, I use seven granules. Okay. And uh, I I really pepper them in the spring and in the fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't have no Japanese beer at all. All right. Well, that's good to hear, George. And uh, of course, don't don't be, don't be skippy on it. I mean, you really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for your call, George. We recommend, as always, here on the don't Flowerland Show. To uh, follow label directions. Exactly. Uh, they're on the bag for a reason. All right, great calls. We appreciate it. 774-2424. We're at the bottom of the hour. We'll update you with the news next here on News Radio. Wood 1300, 106.9 FM. Stay tuned. If you plant it, mow it, or grow it, they know it. Now, more of Rick, Doug, and Christie. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And the Flowerland Garden Show on Wood Radio. All right, maintain your sense of humus. That's why we're here for you, the Flowerland Show. Rick Weiss here, Doug Waringa alongside Christy with the day off. Enjoy your Independence Day weekend. John Ilk at the controls. George Arthur taking your calls. Full phone lines. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. By the way, on an Independence Day weekend, also uh, important always, not just Independence Day weekend, but always, to uh, remember and recognize our veterans. And uh, Doug, our good friends at the Kent Garden Club, uh, they're having a fundraiser on July 13th. Uh, Olives Restaurant and Bar in Gaslight Village. They're going to donate 20% of their total receipts to the Kent Garden Club. Wow. And uh, don't walk in there and say, Rick said so and get me into trouble because here's the only time it happens. 6 to 9 p.m. 6 to 9 p.m. on July 13. Did I say July 13? July 13, yes. July 13, 6 to 9 p.m. at Olives Restaurant and Bar. Uh, they have a guest bartender initiative. All you got to do is show up with your friends uh, for dinner, and uh, you can support the Kent Garden Club uh, the, because the proceeds are going to be used to restore the greenhouse at the Grand Rapids Home for Very Veterans. Very cool. Very cool. Way to go, Kent Garden Club, the nice people in that club. Thanks for your work. Proceeds, restore the greenhouse, Grand Rapids Home for Veterans. Uh, so July 13th. 6 to 9 p.m., uh, get out there and support them. Of course, Doug, I think you'd like the red pepper bisque. Absolutely. Uh, the lobster rolls are amazing. And then when it's all said and done, uh, get one of those brownie bottom cheesecakes with fresh strawberries. Let's just go right to the cheesecake. Let's go there after the show. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Way to go, Olive's Restaurant. Way to go, Kent Garden Club. And uh, way to go, all those who support the restoration of the greenhouse at the Grand Rapids Home for Veterans, we salute you. 774-2424, our number uh, on the Flowerland Show. Let's talk to Arlene in Grand Rapids. Arlene, good morning. Good morning. How can we help you, Arlene? A uh, little question here. I have a Rose of Sharon bush. Uh, it's probably about uh, eight, nine feet tall in my flower bed. And all around it this year, there are these little plantings coming up. And if I leave them a while, they start to look like the Rose of Sharon leaves. What are they? They are probably Rose of Sharon. Yes, they are suckers. Well, well not necessarily. Happen? It could be seed. Yes. Would, yeah, would you're they right. Grow if I planted them somewhere yes. else or not? Yes, that is one plant that is considered invasive that way. It will reseed itself. So they aren't really suckers. So Now, what you can do, Arlene, is a couple different things. Of course... You can spray with an herbicide, but usually what works well is if you have a whippersnipper or a weed a whacker or whatever huh? you want to call it. Whenever you have, uh, you're right, Doug, they could be reseeding. You're very right. And what you would do is continue to cut the tops off the plants. Without- they pull out real easy yeah. with a long little, probably a three-inch root. Yeah. You know, That's what I would do. easy. Right, but if you're constantly slicing the top off them, they eventually will wear out and go away also, Arlene. And if you don't, what happens? They become a little healthy, yes. You're, uh, you, will, <laughs> you will be in business selling <laughs> rows of Sharon to your neighbors, friends, and anyone else who will take them. 
You mean they will actually become a nice Rose of Sharon if I leave a couple? Yep. Well, that's good to know. Yep. And that's, you know, this is one of those years that's the perfect, you know, winter that we had, and they were able to germinate, and it's just a perfect storm. So, yeah, this if year. I you get... some with a little bit of dirt and put it someplace I'd like it, and it would there grow, you go. huh? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, gee, thanks a lot, then. All right. Good luck to you, Arlene. Thank you very much. She's going to show up at Flowerland and try to sell us. She's going to be isn't she? <laughs> some Althea's. That's she, good. Uh, That's fun. She's a budding entrepreneur who uh, I think we just put in business. That uh, that sounds good. We try to do our part to uh, improve the local economy. Mary Beth is up next. Mary Beth, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Good morning. I have a question for you about um, two very interesting plants that were given to me. Um, one is a begonia. I'm not sure what variety. It came from England, actually, oh, wow. on Queen Mary in, yeah. in about 1970. Really? Yes. And what, it, it is, Does it have fancy foliage? Um, no, not, I mean, I've not seen it in, I've not seen it in the stores, but it's not particularly fancy. It's kind of got a reddish hue to it. It, um. Yeah, you might have yes. a, you might have a Rex begonia that's possible, or a strawberry begonia. Uh, okay. You've grown it indoors as a house plant. Is that what you've been doing? Yes. Okay. And, and it's proli- it's prolific. Yes. Yeah. Is it probably to be outdoors. No, no. Probably oh, it would okay. not be hardy to Michigan conditions. If it's a strawberry begonia or a Rex begonia, which are fun to grow as an indoor plant, uh, no, it certainly would not survive in Michigan over winter. Yeah. Well, I've had it for a number of years. It was given to me by a dear friend who's, who's since passed. And, um, and I mean, you can cuttings from it, stick it in water and sure. about a million yeah. more flowers. I yeah. mean, it's just prolific, but I'm tr- trying to figure out what the best pot is for it because every pot I put it in, it just, it grows so high. Okay. It, it just gets real long and leggy. And, um, like I, when I first got it, I thought, well, it needs more room for the roots. That's why it's getting so, so long. Well, long, long and leggy, first of all, is kind of the nature of the plant, Mary Beth. However, however, bright light will help. Bright light helps wherever you have it indoors because it's going to keep the plant from stretching as much. Uh, also when you repot, uh, the soil is very important. Having a good sterilized quality uh, indoor houseplant potting soil. And then as far as the pot is concerned, yeah, having a pot of decent size and making sure that it has a drainage hole. Uh, okay. if, if you do those things, you should be successful because you're right, Mary Beth, it's a pretty prolific plant. Okay, so it's it's not just because I'm putting it in a pot that's too small for it. It's, that's what I was wondering, like, how big of a pot does this thing need? <laughs> yeah, the, I, I think the more space so you give it, Mary Beth... More. You know, it's it's going to keep uh, it's going to keep growing on you. That said, uh, this is a great time of the year to repot house plants, taking them outside and uh, dividing them, repotting them. Great time of year. Right. Let them stay outside that's, for the summer. That's what I, yeah, that's what I. Well, I put it out on my breezeway uh, for the for the summer. Usually, not right outside. Yes, right. which is Perfect. smart because yep. if you take a house plant, and move it directly outdoors at this time of the year. 
uh, you're going to do damage to the plant. There's going to be wind damage and sun damage. They will get sunburned. So, but uh, get them out of the air conditioning. Yes, right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, well, we don't have that, so. Perfect. All right. And then the other plant, the other one is a Christmas cactus. Yes. And it was given to me by a 79-year-old woman who said, I've never not known it to be in my mother's house. Hmm. So this is that possible to have a plant that's that old? Absolutely. She gave it to me because she knew that I wouldn't kill it. Or there are not to kill it. There are some Christmas cactus, Mary Beth, out there that have been passed from family to family and are older than fruitcake. Older the old than, guilt. Older than I, mean, I can't oh kill God. it. I'm going to give it away. Yes. No <laughs> one wants to throw it away. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's true because I I I can't. Uh, you know, I, I keep repotting it and and, yeah. and sure. sprouting and. And that, which is fun. Now, in the summertime for a Christmas cactus, that's another great plant to put in the breezeway, put outside, loves the humidity, feed it with a little bit of miracle Grow or water-soluble fertilizer, small root system proportionately to the top of the plant, but will love that summer sunshine. And then the plant, once we get to fall and winter, that's when we get the onset of buds due to shorter day length. And also okay. temperature change. And Grandma's house, years and years ago, the windows weren't very good. They were kind of drafty. And so the right. plant could sense the change of season. In today's homes, which are more airtight, the plant has a little more difficult time anticipating the change of season. So I think that that would be a great breezeway plant for you too, Mary Beth, and maybe get a, give it a little fertilizer this time of the year. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I just was, you know, they're both such old plants, and I don't want, I want to do whatever I can to keep them going because it just seemed kind of rare to me. I didn't realize that they were actually, um, that they would stay around that long. Yeah, you have, uh, you have an heirloom, uh, heirloom plant to enjoy, and it has a lot of history, and I think that's a very cool thing, Mary Beth. So my hats off to you for keeping those plants alive. Keep them going. <laughs> keep enjoying. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thank you very much. 774-2424, a number here on the Flowerland Show. Folks on hold from Holland to Grand Rapids to Pearson. Hang on. We'll take a quick break. Cultivate a little commerce. Won't take long, and then we'll be right back with you, I promise. We'll dive right back into those calls here on the Flowerland Show, broadcasting live on your 4th of July weekend from high above downtown Grand Rapids. Thanks for being our friends. Thanks for sharing a few moments with us this morning. We'll be right back. This is the Flowerland Garden Show on Wood Radio. All right, dirty job. Somebody's got to do it. Your shovel-ready stimulus here on your Saturday morning, the Flowerland Show. Rick Weiss here, Doug Waringa seated alongside. Christy will return next week here on the Flowerland Show. Thanks for your support. Thank you very much. Of course, uh, today, July 2, way back in 1776, when the Second Continental Congress voted to approve a resolution of independence that had been proposed uh, earlier that year, and they voted for independence. On July 2nd, of course, uh, history has it that Congress debated, revised, and finally approved on July 4th. So enjoy your weekend, your Independence Day weekend. Thankful for our country and uh, the freedoms. Yeah, we take that lightly, but can you mention the discussion in that vote? 
I mean, yes, exactly. See what's happening in the UK and you know what's happening around the world. And but again, a re, in, in important reminder in an election year, and this is all I'm going to say, Doug. Okay, we the people, <laughs> the government of this country is we the people. Thanks to these founding uh, fathers and their resolution of independence. Thank you very much. Let's talk to Janie in Pearson next. Janie, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. I have a question. We just bought a cottage on Big White Fish Lake, and there's plantings everywhere, and we don't know what to do with them, but we removed a huge, tall evergreen. I thought you were calling to invite us. (laughs) Anytime. You're welcome. Well, thank you. Um, This evergreen, though, when we took it out, of course, it left this huge dirt area, and I don't know if I have to amend the soil before I can plant anything. Like, I have a... uh, tomato pot sitting there right now but it's i haven't taken it out of the pot many times it's a good idea to amend the soil janie uh the the soil may be uh depleted of nutrients Mm -hmm. Uh, of course we always try to improve soil tilth and this fall working some leaves into the ground also or compost is very very helpful we always like adding uh, organic or living material to the soil. That's why, Doug, we recommend well, dairy do. Dairy do, you bet. Yeah, you think of that plant's been there for so long when it's taken out of that soil. Exactly. Okay. All uh, right. Should I, would I do that now and then plant next year? Well, no. Or, you could, as a matter of fact, fall. is a, If you're looking to put in landscaping plants, there's no better time than the fall to plant. Okay. So, All right. So and, you could do a little soil prep now trying to improve both the tilth, tilth and the nu- nutrient level. Uh, okay. But then uh, September, October, November, what a great time of the year to plant. Okay. And would that be the same for, like, I have this out-of-control rhododendron that's just a stick and a blossom, a stick and a blossom. And I cut <laughs> that way down and get it perked back up again? Yes, you can. Uh, it's called stumping. So, yes, you can. It will uh, influence some new growth. Just bear in mind it, it may be cutting out next year's blooms, But you're trying to establish a plant there. And again, feeding at this time of the year for rhododendron is a good idea. A little holly tone, yeah. Okay, great, great. And can that be moved? How big do you think it is? It's probably probably four feet wide, maybe. It probably can be moved. Yeah. Okay. Okay, The the only downside, Janie, is this is probably not the time of year to move a plant. Okay. As hot and dry as it is. Exactly. Fall would be better. Okay. okay, great. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Chris in Stony Lake. Chris, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Hi, thanks for taking my call. You bet. Is now a good time to put Grubex on? Yeah, uh, Grubex, we're right at the end of the window. Grubex is what is considered a preventative grub control. So spring into early summer is the time to apply. It affects the larvae in the soil when they hatch. If you have Grubex, you could apply now. But there are, there's curative and preventative grub controls. And generally, as we get later in the season, we're applying uh, curative controls, which are like the seven products a, me- a caller mentioned earlier or Dilox, that sort of thing. Uh, if you have the GrubX, you can try it. The most effective time to apply, though, Chris, would be a little earlier in the year. Will that kill the eggs for next year, then? No. It, okay. uh, it, it's put in the soil to deal with the larvae when they hatch. 
which will be here over the next month as the female is laying her eggs. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Let's talk to Marla in Holland. Marla, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Good morning, my gardening heroes. Hey, thank you very much, Marla. You're welcome. Hey, we are expanding our patio, and we were cutting roots from a, a maple tree that we had cut down. And our neighbor was here, and he said that there's a root from a tree from another neighbor growing under his driveway and pushing his driveway up. Yes. But the owner of the tree doesn't want him to cut that root because it's a north root and said that that will kill the tree. Is there any validation to that? I've never heard it. Well, first of all, um, my recommendation would be to have a tree expert take a look at the tree to assess the situation. That's That's the first thing because... Uh, one of the things that has to be established is what kind of tree is it? That's the first thing to establish. Secondly, what is the parent soil like? Uh, a few weeks ago when we had that storm out at the lakeshore, mm-hmm. Doug, I saw some trees that looked perfectly healthy. I was talking to Bill Steffen this past week, too. He had messaged me on uh, Consumers Power People seeing trees fall over. And again, it's contingent on how well the tree is rooted in the soil, what the parent soil is like in a sandy soil, a top-heavy tree in a storm can go over. Um, so I think those are all factors that have to be taken into consideration. And arguably, especially if this is a well-established, important shade tree, I think an arborist should take a look at it. Yeah. And they would Didn't be willing to do it. you have a driveway situation, too, that could be a, potentially a, a, a problem, too, so... Yeah, probably should have somebody come out and look at that. Will Alrighty. will cutting a root kill the tree? In most cases, no. In most cases, no. But I think every situation is different and should be assessed by an arborist. That would be my opinion, Marla. Yeah, a lot of times those are okay. anchor roots, you know, more than anything, and that's going to hold that tree from those winds. So Yeah, and people... Yeah, uh, people it th- was a north root is what was said, mm-hmm. and I never heard that a specific direction route yeah, I think that, be... I think that that's less important than wh- how well is this tree established. You know, a, right. a, a tree's roots fan out into the soil profile. They do not go down to China. They work their way to the surface for moisture and nutrients. Yes, they can create a problem for a driveway or for a sidewalk. Uh, but no, I'm I'm less concerned with the the fact that it's a north root than I am what the tree species is, how well established it is, and I think it should be assessed by an arborist or a professional. I really do. Very good. I will share the, that information. All right. Have well, a good day. Thanks, Marla. Appreciate it. Uh, let's talk to Al in Grand Rapids. Al, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Doug. Thanks morning. for holding the show. Thank you, Al. I, I have a question. I uh, purchased about a dozen gazania uh, flowers at Flowerland uh, two and a half weeks ago, and when I planted them, uh, they were great. I love the way the, the blooms open in the day and close up at the night. But yes, uh, I'm not sure how I go about maintaining them because they don't seem to be uh, uh, growing much, and I'm not sure if I should be cutting off the the dead blooms or how you dead yeah let me help you with that uh, al and for people keeping score at home he's mentioning gazania that's a favorite annual for me likes a lot of sun 
Al, hold the line here a minute. John, if you can put Al on hold, I promise, Al, I'll pick up the phone line and help you with that, all right? Thank you very much to our listeners across the Rooted Plain. I hope you enjoy your Independence Day weekend. Doug, thank you very much. Always privileged pleasure to do the show with you. Christy returns again next week. A big thank you very much to John Ilk and to George Arthur, but most of all to you, our entrepreneur friends across the Rooted Plain. Thanks for your support. We appreciate it. Be safe out there. Be thankful for our country, our freedoms, and enjoy your Independence Day weekend. Talk to you next week. See ya. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.